It takes more than saying, does it scale during design review meetings to be a great engineer? This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 272. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software engineers about all this non-technical stuff that goes into software engineering. I have learned that either a valuable or infuriating thing that is possible is you can kill any idea by just asking questions about it over and over and <laughs> over again. That's so true. It's like it's like it becomes a competition of stamina. Yeah. Well, how will this affect security? And does this idea, does this new feature idea really have enough stamina to survive my questions? How will we know? <laughs> yeah. So in this scenario, the engineer is the the gate. All things must wait until all of their questions are answered or they're bribed enough to not ask, does it scale? Yes. I will say that I have a pact that I've made with myself. I will never ask, does it scale without specifying the dimension on which that I'm asking about whether it scales. Because that that word, it's become <laughs> it's become meaningless, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. will it scale to a thousand users? Will it scale to a team of fifty? Will it? Scale? Those are okay to ask, but will it scale? Mm-mm. Yeah. If you ask, does it scale? I'll just say yes. For every new user we get, we rent another VM. <laughs> it scales infinitely, horizontally. Yes, it's perfect. Oh, I was going to ask you to thank our patrons, but that would be uncouth of me to foist work off onto you. I want to thank our patrons. Yes, go for it. You have my permission in case you're wondering. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you to Arun, Duna, Aiden Byrne, uh, Kashokton, Ohio. This is Dobby, patron.com.au. We're hiring. Ira Chan, monkey face emoji, Jonathan King, testingisdocumenting.org, Adrian Bording, Roman Denisov, Fizzbuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadye, Karen Sveinson, Will Angel, Ragnar Harrison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Saunders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Nick Kantar, Philip John Basile, and Bites of Wisdom with a Y. This is a tremendous group. Fine people. If you want to join this group, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. And doing so helps cover all the costs of the show and makes the intro longer. (laughs) Both of which are great. Yeah, oh, just yeah. what you wanted. I forgot the benefits besides those. Right. <laughs> also, you get to join. <laughs> also, you get to join our Slack team, which is uh, fantastic and and wise and informative. Yeah, and, and I just want to point out, it's not just those users. We also have, oh my gosh, 636 members in the Slack community. Whoa. When did that happen? Wow. Yeah, that's that's a wild growth rate. I didn't know. <laughs> They're, they're actually each of them does are my scale, best friends. Dave. Yeah, I'm very. <laughs> hey, Dave, does our does our does our strategy for rewarding patrons scale? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. We'll keep doing it. <laughs> um, do you want to read our first question, Dave? Yes, I do. This comes from an anonymous listener. An anom- uh, <laughs> it's my first time saying anonymous. Apparently, <laughs> this comes from an anonymous. Your second listener. time was great. You pulled it off. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, this comes from an anonymous listener who says, a few years ago, my team chose a niche SPA framework. SPA stands for Single Page Application or Shiny Prototype Application. (laughs) Software Prioritization Applet. Yes. (laughs) Is a real thing it stands for, which was very confusing at a previous job when SPA was used all the time. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. (laughs) You and your applet career. 
back yep. in the day. Okay, my t- a few years ago, my team chose a niche spa framework, Aurelia, for the front end of a large multi-year new product development. The team started a new product in the same family. I chose to continue using Aurelia. However, some of the developers on the team have suggested using React, which is a newer framework, easier to hire and retain for, etc. I personally feel that focusing on solid foundational CSS, HTML, and JavaScript skills is more important than the actual front-end framework used, but perhaps they have a good point when it comes to retention and hiring. What do you think? Hmm. So... This is where we talk about the non-technical things. So so none of this is you should pick React or Aurelia. This is more interesting about how you handle kind of technical choices about what what pieces to pick, especially if there's disagreement among the team. That's my excuse for how we get to talk about this. And and, and I just for a moment there I thought maybe we were going to pivot into a, a web framework shootout session, which would be a off-brand for us. Next, yeah, next episode. Yeah, <laughs> I have a couple of questions here which will not be answered. But one of them said it, it, the the question asker said I picked it like I just picked Aurelia, and I wonder if there was input from the team before the picking happened, or if they just found out by reading the code that you had already written that's using Aurelia, mm-hmm. which seems like a, a bad way to inform people of your technology choices. <laughs> yeah. Well, unless you want to keep the technology from changing, because then the more code you write before telling them, the more work it is to change it. So maybe it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, awesome. like, oh, yeah, it's done already. I mean, you want it in React? Please rebuild it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you win all arguments. It's like, Exactly. Oh. Just be horrible. <laughs> Just disappear, build it, and then make it so unappealing to do anything else that everyone has to go with your idea. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? oh man i don't know i don't care what framework you use (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm the kind of person that argues against myself in my own mind and so when i open my mouth to express an opinion there's this voice in my head that's like rebutting the words i'm about to say before they come out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) how would it feel to be so confident that you can say things without arguing with yourself. I don't know. But here, so here's what that voice in my head is saying right now. <laughs> okay. I, I will call this the Jameson approach because I okay. feel like I'm usually the one that <laughs> waffles. Oh, good. On the one hand, I do not care what technology you choose. Qualified engineers, capable engineers can work in whatever technology that you want, whatever framework you want, whatever language you want. But uh, certain technology choices have major major implications on the kinds of people that will show up at your door to come work for you. And I don't I don't just mean that in the sense that you'll limit the talent pool you can hire from. That can be the case, but again, this is kind of nuanced, but yes, it's if you insist on hiring people who or sorry, if you insist on only hiring people who have experience with your technology, then you might limit your talent pool. I never insist on hiring people who have experience with my technology. And hmm. that has served me very well in my career because I hire people who have great aptitude and skills and then they can learn the technology. And the stuff we're using today isn't going to be the stuff we're using in a year or two. So, you know, they need to be adaptable and able to learn. But there's also yeah. this this phenomenon where if you pick certain technologies, you will get certain, you will select for the people who apply for your jobs. For some technologies, it doesn't really make a difference, but for some, it makes a big difference. 
and I'm just the reason I'm stum- kind of stumbling through this is because I'm resisting naming any languages or technologies <laughs> where this is the case. <laughs> so, so you're saying this is basically agreeing with the folks that want it in. Well, I don't know if it's agreeing because you could just say, well, I want the people who want to work in Aurelia. Right, that could be your filter. You want to keep it in Aurelia because of all the other reasons, but also like we we like the culture of this community or Yeah. Okay. Here's the only argument I'm seeing in this question for keeping it consistent, which is it is actually hard to be productive and effective in different technologies, in this case web front end web frameworks, because each of them has their own like razor blades hiding around the corners that you can walk into and get cut and not realize it. And so yeah, part of the skill of using a particular technology is like building this mental checklist of all the things you can do wrong in that technology. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, yes, there is a risk that if you use two at your company and people are going to bounce around between the two frameworks, that you will actually have more quality problems in your product because the developers are making mistakes that don't need to be made because they just haven't learned it yet. And so you're kind of doubling yeah. the ramp up time to where your developers can be productive. React is the popular thing now. React is the IBM in the phrase no one gets fired for choosing IBM. It kind of is so now, right? I, I, yeah, I don't think it'll be controversial. Yeah. You'll find a lot of people that know React already if that's important to you. But like Dave said, you can teach people React. That's a thing. A lot of people learn React every probably year. probably won't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You probably will not find anybody or very few people that know Aurelia already, but yeah, you can but teach who cares? That a lot of people too. learn Aurelia every year. Yep, exactly. I, I mean, I think, I think I've never heard of it. <laughs> I've heard of it, and I think I looked at a little bit of code several years ago when I was wait. Deep I in have the heard of it. Isn't this front end framework? World? Wasn't Aurelia created by a somewhat controversial figure in the software community? Someone who like broke ties with some other framework? I don't know. I think that's the case. That seems like the kind of thing I would like to know because it's like the reality TV side of software development. Yeah, you love the drama, right? Yeah, love it. I can't remember my point because I was talking about the drama. And because I interrupted you. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I have waffled back and forth on this principle of do do we have a bunch of different technologies in production and just kind of pick the best one or do we try and standardize and... Um, there are examples on both sides. Google is pretty standardized. I mean, it's big enough that there's always other stuff, but yeah, some companies try to stick with the same set of tools because of the problem that you mentioned, Dave, of, of learning all the niches and also you build up kind of infrastructure and libraries. I don't know that that applies as much to front-end frameworks because um, it's the same language for most of them. But I think my point is, I think you should not make it about this project. You should try and see if, do we want a company culture of aligning on the same tools or is the company culture, is the engineering culture pick the right tool or or pick at the point that you're picking tools? So I'm going to pass the buck to the question asker to change this from, should I pick Aurelia or React for this project to how do I get the entire engineering organization to agree on uh, standardizing technology choices. It got harder to answer. Oh, great. Thanks a lot. Yep. Meanwhile, I went and did some Googling. <laughs> and I remember okay. Aurelia now. Finally, it's been seven years. I shared the stage at a conference in, in Europe, in Paris, I think, 
with the founder of Aurelia. And that's why it's like, it was niggling at the back of my mind. Like who, what is this framework? Now I remember. So I, okay. I just wanted to make sure that all of our listeners know that I remembered something. <laughs> <laughs> You're with welcome. With the help of Google. Yes. I'm not even going to say the, the founder's name. I'm just going to leave it at that because the important thing is here, I remembered something from seven years ago and I don't care which web framework you, were you choose. in Paris. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And I was in Paris. How pretentious. Yeah. Paris. <laughs> I'm sorry. That felt like a huge distraction. Yes. I don't know. I feel like I thought this was going to be easier to answer than I'm finding it. And so so you're having a hard time coming down. I think, okay, the crux of the question here for me, and I want to know where you come down on this, is is I think really it is is consistency across all of your code that you own as important as whatever the opposite of consistency is, like in this case, whatever the benefits of inconsistency are here. Yeah. What do you think? I'm trying so hard not to say it depends. <laughs> <laughs> You, I no, think listen, the answer is different you, you, based on <laughs> the shape of your products. Are these products very closely related uh-huh. so that they're, you could kind of squint and think they're really one product, just different uh-huh. features of them, of, of the same products? Or are they going to kind of grow and evolve separately? Because yes. if they're going to separate out, then it matters less. Consistency matters less. But if they're like two menu items in the same menu, then consistency matters a lot more. I, I keep wanting to dive into technical stuff too. There's like know, design system issues You're, we're here. We're sucked and... in. So, yeah, oh I no. <laughs> I have two. Okay, I have an answer. I have an answer. Okay, I have an answer. All right, go. The real answer is if, if one thing will make the team revolt, then don't pick that thing. Right. <laughs> but if you can convince the team, then be consistent. That's my answer. I have another idea to consider. So I think I think what we're what we are kind of collecting here at the moment, Jameson, you and I, are questions you should ask yourself. And then really the job of every engineer when making decisions is to collect a comprehensive list of trade-offs and understand which trade-offs you're choosing. And I think one trade-off you need to understand is will you be sharing code between these two projects? Because if you are, then you and it's an important part of the you know, it's like a significant effort savings to do so. Uh, and, and like you said, consistency is important. Then you really should use the same framework, you know, like if that's paramount. But if it's not, maybe it's NBD. There's a third path. Ah. Rewrite the current app into React. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. No one even considered that. Yeah. Be consistent from the beginning, but also switch technologies. That sounds expensive. You know, I think a lot of agency developers have this luxury of being able to use whatever the heck framework or tool or language they want because the projects tend to have a finite start and end and they don't, in time, and they don't tend to be married to each other or integrated with each other, right? So it, it's kind of this choice where you're like, well, yeah, why Yeah, finite you- in time, infinite in cost. Yeah. Is, is that what you mean by <laughs> saying time specifically? <laughs> No, what I meant was they have a start and end date and you don't usually revisit okay. them or have to maintain them forever. You kind of hand them over or don't uh, touch them for a while. Sure. But they don't have to be coupled to each other either. But whereas this sounds like it's yeah. not an agency. This sounds like this is a product company that has a couple of different products and they're going to use different tools to build them. And and I don't know, maybe okay. But I'll tell you what, here's what I think is kind of funny about this question. For those of us that were building web applications uh, back at the time when I was speaking in Paris, 2014, <laughs> uh, 2013 
it's like a long time ago now, right? But tell me all about the the rich cheeses that you yeah. consumed. <laughs> For me, it was all about the, the decadent sheets. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the twenty five thousand thread count Egyptian sheets on the bed. I couldn't afford that. Anyway, back then we all had like three web frameworks in single project products. So it didn't matter. Like everyone had some jQuery, some Angular, some React. Like nobody knew what was going yeah. on. We were doing all three of them at the Remember, same time. Some backbone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah. One of everything. Absolutely. Knockout. They were all in there. So it was like this question is kind of like, yeah, it probably doesn't matter because the the uh, Frankenstein code bases that most people are working on have it's not a question of for this new product what framework should we use? It's how many frameworks are we gonna have in one product? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think that means we've answered it. It feels pretty <laughs> solid. I don't want to sum it up. I don't want to spoil all the yeah. knowledge we just dropped by summing it up. That's, that's probably smart. All right. Plus, we're honestly, honestly, it was a risky question to take. We really were flirting with hard skills there, and it, I, I was uncomfortable the whole time. Okay. Well, let's move back to the comforting, um, warm embrace of soft skills. Okay. <laughs> I will read the next question. It is from a listener named Geek Cyclist. Having ignored the patented SSE advice, I have worked for the same government agency for over 20 years. I progressed through projects, teams, and roles to senior developer, lead developer, and both a manager and architect. If someone has switched jobs every few years, they likely have never been forced to deal with the long-term consequences of their own decisions. They may feel the pain of having to jump in and maintain a legacy system, but probably have never had to deal with architecting a system in year one and then in year five having to change everything. And they can always blame their frustration on the prior developers instead of themselves. Is it important to have the experience of ripping out that framework that was the new hotness five years ago and now just causes pain? How can someone comfortably call themselves a lead or senior developer when the longest they have ever been at a single job is less than three years? Can a manager really trust the decision of a senior engineer who has never had to feel the pain of their own decisions? Hmm. Very interesting. This is uh, making a bold assumption that my bad decisions take years to manifest. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel plenty of pain from my past decisions. Much last week, than that. even. <laughs> yeah, I love I love this question. It's it's it really is one of those moments where it's like we have to be introspective. You know, we we like to pretend that there's no downside to our advice, but there always is. Yeah. And I love it. And honestly, I think people who have this perspective are super rare in our industry. Yeah. I think you learn different skill sets if you, uh, but even, okay, let me step back. Even if you're at the same job for 20 years, mm -hmm. it's pretty unlikely that you'll be on the same code base for 20 years, right? You'll be switching products or roles or, or something like that. So you yeah. might learn from observing. I think it's it's unlikely that you will learn from the code you wrote 10 years ago by by coming back to it to add features to it 10 years later because mm -hmm. you're probably doing something else by now. So yeah. I, I don't... So you're just trying to dismiss this question as no one would ever do that. That's what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you'd still run into it. Maybe you have knowledge about it and, and you certainly keep working on it for shorter time spans than that. But I don't know. I don't have this experience. So I am telling the question asker from... A position of, of no experience how yeah. I think their life is but I don't think you just <laughs> sit down and in your mind is laid out this map of like everything you've ever worked on and the current state of your knowledge of and experience from those things and and spans from year one to year 20 it's like 
you're always kind of moving on to new things and, and seeing them. It's just moving between companies. Uh, the change is usually a much more things change when you switch companies than when you switch projects in the same company. You carry a lot of context still, but it's not like, maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer is, um, it's, it's, the benefit is that you carry all the company context and stay at a company where all that context is useful. Okay. Like you learn from code decisions everywhere, but if you, maybe you learned how to work with this organization and then you're still in that org. So that's, that's useful. Hmm. Can someone call themselves a senior or lead developer if the longest they've ever been in a single job is less than three years? The answer to that is 100% yes. Well, they do. I think and should they? they? <laughs> and they are. And they do so it for long, a lot yeah. less than three years, I'll tell you that. <laughs> First job, one year, senior engineer. Yeah. I have seen that. Yeah. But but I think Can the question is, the dis- okay. should they? Should we really, I think what the question asker is asking is, should we really call them senior if they haven't owned their own decisions for three plus years? Why is, I mean, it feels like a weird arbitrary cutoff. This is like Zeno's paradox, sort of, like- where do you draw the line? You ha- yeah, before you can be senior, you have to be halfway to senior. <laughs> yeah, and if we say three years is too short, then is like four years the right number? Or I don't know. It's um... okay. So, well, let's. How about we take? You know, this is what I do whenever there's a question like this, Jameson. Uh, I know mm-hmm. you're threatening my uh, my new ideas by just questioning them until they die. But <laughs> 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 let's just take the let's take the number out and replace it with n. And we'll decide N later, but should there be an N less than which anyone who has worked for a single company should not be considered senior? I mean, there's a lower bound to N. Like, yeah, it's probably longer than two months. I don't but... want to debate whether N should exist, uh, whether what the value of N should be. I want to debate whether there should even be an N. I'm saying you can make N small enough that the answer is <laughs> obvious. <laughs> Oh man, this is such an engineer discussion, isn't it? (laughs) Like semantics and nitpicking. Oh, semantics and edge cases. Like what else is there, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Whole empires have been built out of those. (laughs) I, I don't think so. And that is colored by the fact that I have not stated. Yeah, you never have. (laughs) Many jobs, more than three years. One job. Yeah. But I, I moved around a ton in that job in terms of what I worked on day to day, too. Just trust me. I, I can't explain it. But no, the answer is no. Why? Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out. You got to give me time to think, which is a bad trait to have while recording a show is based on live audio conversations. Is there an N? I think you learn stuff by building it often. It's it's like the act of building it teaches you quite a bit, not just building it and then walking away and coming back years later. Hmm. So I think that can make you that can make you senior. Yeah, and I think that's the crux of this question is there certainly is experience in building something at the beginning. Definitely. But I think what we're asking here is is there marginal benefit to also operating that thing for long periods of time? And my answer to that is, if you're going to operate it for 20 years and learn all this stuff about what you should have done 20 years ago, but you're just going to keep operating the old software, then what's the point? (laughs) You never got a chance to put those (laughs) lessons to work. (laughs) For your next government job where you'll be at the agency for 20 years. Yeah, after, I mean, in your next life. 
that second system will be better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was kind of tongue in cheek, but I do think there's value in operating things for a long period of time. In fact, I've interviewed a lot of engineers in my in my time. Uh well over a thousand at this point, I think. And I have definitely seen a difference in the ability levels of engineers who work on projects for very short periods of time, by which I would mean like months, and just jump from project to project every few months, as opposed to those who have to work on the same project for, let's say, a year minimum. I I don't think I've seen a mar- uh, like an appreciable difference between people who have worked on a project for, say, two one to two years, as opposed to those that have worked on the same project for like three to five years. Now, Dave, what about N years? I know. Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> if we can set N to five minutes, I can answer that easily. <laughs> okay. So I I think there's, there's just such, there's so much to learn. And you can stay for 20 years and not learn anything. And you can hop jobs all the time and not learn anything. So I, I think you probably do learn different things by having a longer tenure on the same product or project. Mm-hmm. But you're trading off that knowledge of uh, maybe it's kind of depth and and very specific examples on on a particular design with maybe a little bit less breadth or exposure to totally different uh problem domains or 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 styles of solving them so i don't think it's it's like this is the right way to do it and people that switch jobs more often than every three years are are wrong because they're missing this essential piece Mm -hmm. i mean ideally ideally you want to mix you want people that are bringing in fresh new ideas and people that have been there a long time that have a ton of context and they bring different perspectives. Yes, I agree with that. That's definitely, I I have definitely seen that to be the case. If you take the same three people who built the thing, three years later, the thing's going to look a lot like the thing did (laughs) when they built it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that kind of, that kind of uh, counters the point of, yeah, you learn a whole bunch from maintaining it for three years afterwards. Yeah. Like you learn how to keep the same thing going. Yeah, you certainly do. Or how to resist change so hard that no one dares give you a requirement <laughs> that would cause it to change. I, I have, I've felt myself lose the ability to like, yes, imagine a different yes. world yes. where where big changes happen. And I've watched someone else come into the same project and just sit down and say like, oh, we can just do this, and it's it's not that much work, and it happens, and it's way better. But they're always wrong about that part about it not being too much work, and I think that's the. That's the uh, the chains that are on my hands when I've been on a company for too long is I know exactly how much effort it's going to take to do the thing. And it's just way too much. Yeah. If you don't know, then you're naive enough to start and That's it'll right. actually happen. And then the sunk okay. cost fallacy propels you to the finish line. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. I do think it's good to mix it up and leave every once in a while. But also, a point I'll make is that Jameson and I advise people to quit their jobs. not the same, Not at the same rate for your whole career. This may be one of the rare points where we are pretty well aligned, Jameson and I. But I think we both say, look, yeah, early on in your career, it does make sense to hop around a little more frequently. But later on, especially as you take on more responsibility, you actually just need more time to even make contributions. You know, Uh, when you're right out of school, yeah, it's like I'm fixing bugs, I'm writing code, I'm building the features. But then later it's like, oh, my job is to instill healthy engineering culture on this team. Well, you're not going to do that in six months. You know, it might take longer. Yeah. It just takes longer to make a difference. And so it naturally takes longer. And so therefore, it naturally leads to people staying at jobs longer. And I think that's probably right. I think that probably gives you the best outcomes. Yeah. You're steering a larger ship, so it takes longer to turn. 
even if you crank the wheel really hard or the steering tube or I don't know. <laughs> the steering tube. Whatever they use to steer ships. I don't know. <laughs> the drone controller that's wired up to the the the, the Xbox um, controller. <laughs> yeah, the Xbox controller. Hooked yeah. Up to the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have we answered the question? I don't know. Like I, I, I think I think I really want to say to this question asker, like, I value your perspective. And I think, yeah, I think there is value that comes from staying at a place for a really long time. But I do also think that people can get a lot of experience in less than twenty years, <laughs> maybe even less than five years. And move and get to a point where they're a senior. In fact, I would even say that the value of hopping jobs every three to five years in exposure to new ideas probably outweighs the value of staying at one place for 20 years, especially if you're not moving around a lot in that place. Just to be able to get exposed to new ways things can be done, I think you can you can become more valuable as an engineer by doing that. Yeah. So you should consider quitting your job at the government. <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead to the same advice. Oh, and I do want to answer this final question. Can a manager really trust the decision of a senior engineer who has never had to feel the pain of their own decisions? No. I do believe that you really do need to feel the pain of your own decisions as a crucial component of gaining experience. If you're insulated from the pain of your own decisions, you may never learn from them. Yeah, that's a good point. There's a certain wariness that that senior engineers have that comes from past pain. Mm-hmm. And if there's no pain, no possible pain with, with, with things that are ahead of you, that feels like a red flag to me. I agree. Well, now we've answered it. Okay, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. What should people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to our website at softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button, where so many of you do every week. We really appreciate you all. Feel free to leave as much or as little personally identifying information there as you like. And we love you. And we love your questions. Keep them coming. All right, we'll catch you next week. Bye.